Have you ever been in a relationship that was grinding you down? Sometimes we find ourselves in relationships and we just can't get away from them. <laughs> Might be somebody that you work for. Maybe it's somebody that you live with. Or maybe you're related to them. Wouldn't it be nice if there were things that we could do that would reduce some of the friction and add more delight to those relationships? I mean, for better or for worse, there's just some people that we're stuck with. My name is Bruce. I'm the lead pastor here at Valley Lights Church. Welcome to Valley Lights Online. And today is a special day for us. It's our grand opening in a new location where we meet in Santa Clarita. And thanks for carving out some time to check us out and to listen and to tune in with us. Today we're starting a new message series called Relational Glue. And we're going to be looking over the next few weeks how to build enjoyable relationships. Actually, how you can spend time with people and really enjoy them over the years. I think this topic of relationships is kind of like ice cream. And you know what? I love ice cream. I'm, I, I would have it every single night if I could. <laughs> and sometimes I do. You can, you, know, you can ask my wife, but often, you know, we get the kids to bed at, to bed at 8 o'clock. You know, if you show up to my house around 8.30, you might find me sitting on the couch just slowly savoring some ice cream to, to, to top off the day. I love it. And I'd, I'd say, I mean, I guess now's kind of a good time, right? Isn't, you know, there's, never, there's really never a bad time for ice cream. And here, this is, uh, this right here, this is good old classic vanilla. Mmm. Nothing quite like vanilla. Although, the thing that makes vanilla better is toppings. You gotta have, a good ice cream's gotta have some good toppings. So, I think I've got some here. Uh, you know what, let's, let's look at, uh, we've got some different options. All right, here, here's one. Could try this. <laughs> and uh, let's see, I don't, know, I don't know if you've ever done this before. All right, I've actually never done this before, but I just, you know, I just, I wanted to try what, what this tastes like. Mmm. You know what? I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> that's pretty gross. That's, that's disgusting, actually. Okay. <laughs> you know, relationships, I think, are kind of a lot like ice cream because, you know, you know what really goes great with vanilla ice cream? Hershey's chocolate syrup. That's, that's a great option. You, you know, if you want vanilla to taste better, you add ice cream. You, there's actually things that we can add to our relationships that add to the delight and to the experience, make it even more enjoyable. And then, you know, there's some things that we can add to our relationships that really magnify the yuck, just the disgustingness. There's things that we can just make it real difficult to enjoy. You would think that anyone with good sense would always add the delightful things to relationships. But you know what? That doesn't always happen. Problems occur, tempers ignite, and all of a sudden, we're reaching for the relational ketchup bottle, just squirting all kinds of nasty, make, making the problem worse. I wish I could say that 
I didn't know this by experience, but I've had plenty of messy relationships to, uh, for, me, for me to speak from experience on this one. As a matter of fact, last Thanksgiving, just a couple months ago, we had a bunch of people come over and we were excited to host Thanksgiving dinner at our house. And we were getting the preparations ready, Aaron and I, my wife, we were talking about how to get ready. And as we were talking about the Thanksgiving table, we had a disagreement about how many leaves to put into the table, how big to make it. And I had some reasons, she had some reasons, and I kid you not, we got into a heated argument over how many leaves to put into the table. <laughs> it sounds really pathetic, but you know what? And a lot of it was driven by me. I was being real pushy with my goal when honestly, you know, Aaron does a great job of having a big picture when it comes to hosting people in our home and making things look nice and dinner parties, all that. I don't know why I got so involved, but you know what? This was the occasion for making a big mess. And uh, some started name calling, being, you know, you're just being stubborn about this, and which I was. And uh, I said, fine, we'll just do it your way. I was like, well, I don't want to do it my way if you're going to have that attitude about it. We're not going to, we can't move forward in this condition. And you know what? It just, it got out of, it got out of hand. And the worst part about all this is I love my wife and she is, you know, she is the person that adds the most delight to my life. And this occasion, you know, Thanksgiving dinner with friends and family, like this is a delightful occasion. You would think by now in marriage, I would have enough sense just to add the delightful things to our relationship. But here I was on, on a delightful occasion, just adding the relational ketchup, just making it nasty. Man, why do we do this? Why does this happen? Even years after marriage, I, sh I should know better. Well, you know what? You're around, you're around people all the time. You're, you see people every day, you work with people, you got people at home, at church, you've got an extended family. And the people that you relate to have a big impact on the quality of your life. We so easily and often mess up relationships and it can really make life grinding. Sometimes we hit the same kinds of grinding points over and over again that lead to a lot of the frustration that we have in life. Maybe you can think about somebody right now that you relate to frequently that causes you a lot of frustration. Maybe it's somebody that when you get around them, you're just kind of bracing yourself and uh, you don't know how it's going to go. <coughs> and uh, by the way, if they're, if they're watching with you right now, no elbows. <laughs> what, what, makes, what makes it grinding? Is it, I mean, is it all them or are there things that you're doing too? Or, or maybe do you, just, do you feel like a victim in this situation? Like, you know, we would be relating peacefully if it just wasn't for them doing this stuff. Is it possible that you're adding toppings to the relationship that magnify the yuck? Let's face it. You, there's people in your life, you're stuck with them. Whether it's family or coworkers. Actually, I have a, a friend this week. He told me he, uh, in one of his departments. He oversees three employees. Uh, one of them that's amazing and the other two that are not good workers. They're very difficult. And the amazing employee just got a job somewhere else. And 
He's left with these other two, and the prospects for hiring are very dim right now. And so all of a sudden, he's stuck in a really difficult situation overseeing these people that are making life really challenging. What do you do about that? Maybe in your situation, you know exactly what the other person ought to be doing different. But I'll tell you, you're not going to be able to change them. You can't change people. Sometimes you can't even change who are the people in your life. You're stuck. So, is it all hopeless? <laughs> no, I don't think it's all hopeless. There actually is something that we can change. We can change our overall approach to our relationships. And when you look at the Bible, you find out that God's approach enables us to enjoy relationships through the years. God's got a way of approaching relationships in His way. It allows us to enjoy people over the years. He's given us really clear relational guidelines that lead to delight. And to understand how that works, we've got to look at a deeper part of you. The real you. I'm talking about the private internal version of you. You know, that deep level where you, where you think about things or where you mull things over where you feel certain things or where you're making decisions and plans and you're just kind of working through things on your own and yourself. <clears throat> the Bible calls that deep internal part of us the heart. It's, it's the heart. Actually, the heart, if you look in the Bible, uh, one way you might define it is the decision center of our life. You can even imagine that your heart is like a cockpit, a, of, of an airplane. That's the command center. It's where all, you know, all the critical decisions take place. The direction for life is set. Several years ago, you know, they started sealing the doors to the cockpit on airplanes when they would take off because they didn't want terrorists to get in and lead the whole plane on a destructive path. So it was important to have high security. Well, the Bible teaches us to use that same kind of intense security with our own command centers, our own hearts. Actually, Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That means we've got to be really careful about what thoughts or feelings we allow to hang around in our heart. You know, those thoughts and feelings, they shape the choices that we make and the future story of our life. It shapes how our relationships pan out. The problem is that most people don't really think that much about what is living inside their heart. People tend to just act or say without really that much thought at all. I mean, I want something, so I'm gonna go get it. I'm gonna order it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take action and go for it. Generally, whatever, is, whatever desires are there inside the heart, they, it usually comes out one way or another. Jesus talked about this in Luke 6, 45. He said, a good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. You know, it's just basically if, it, if, I, if I, I'm thinking about something, I'll just say what's on my mind. <laughs> or for, for many people, whatever, whatever is in there, it eventually comes out. And for us to find God's path toward relationships that are a delight, not a grind, we first have to make a heart decision to adopt Jesus' approach. 
And right now, you, you actually might be at a decision point. Do you want to continue approaching relationships your way? How well is it working out? Are you completely satisfied with the outcome of your approach to relating to people? Or do you think there's possibly a better way? If you think God is good and that he can be trusted, as I do, and that God is the designer of human relationships, and as a result, I, he knows best, the ultimate decision then is, do I want to do what God says? There's, you know, and that, that is actually a decision that has to come from the heart. Some of the things that God requires of us in relationships can actually be pretty hard. Many of the things that God commands go against what we normally find in our heart. And besides this whole issue of the heart, there's another aspect of that deeper internal version of you, and it's our attitude. Do you ever notice how some people uh, have maybe a more habitually positive approach to life? You know, one coworker may walk into the office and say, hey, good morning. And another coworker may say, what's so good about it? And <laughs> they, they may mean it. There's nothing good about today. Two people say morning. Or maybe you heard about the two men. Uh, one guy woke up. He said, good morning, Lord. And the other guy woke up and said, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> you know, those are, those are going to be different, different approaches. They reflect different attitudes about life. And actually, the way that we might define attitude is our chosen angle of approach to life. It's just the way that we go about it, the way we go after life, the way that we see things, the way our disposition, our chosen attitude. For some people, when difficulty arrives, um, they may approach it with an attitude of trusting God with an open hand. Other people may experience difficulty and uh, respond in, in their own ability, in their own resources. The Bible would describe this as either a faith attitude or a sight attitude. Two people may have the same trouble strike, but one person's attitude may lead toward peace and endurance, while the other leads to fear or resentment. Our chosen attitude impacts the way that we approach life and people, events or situations. And I say chosen because we get to pick our attitude. We get to pick our angle of approach. Now, now imagine the airplane again. Imagine an airplane coming in for a landing on the runway. The pilot's angle of approach really makes a big difference. If it's pitched too forward or off to the side, the angle, man, it could either lead to success or disaster. In the same way, our approach to dealing with people can lead to success or relational disaster. And of course, you know, people can be really difficult and they can start me in a bad attitude, but I choose whether I continue that journey or I redirect myself to a better mindset. For most of us, we, we come pre-wired with some default attitudes in life. And for many, the de our default approach to life is, I hate to admit it, but it's self-centered. <laughs> that, that tends to be the default. We so easily, you know, approach a situation and ask, what can I get out of this? Or, or what's in it for me? 
Or, or how, how is all this going to impact me? Just kind of see life from a self-centered attitude. And then for most of us, our default approach to people is deserving. We feel that we deserve that people should cooperate and give us what we want. Or at least that they should get out of the way so I can have what I want. And, uh, you know, between, between the two of us, you know, you're a great person and all, but I'm more deserving to make sure I get what I want. That's, that tends to be our default approach. So our, our, our attitude in life tends to be self-centered and deserving. And I'm going to just tell you right now, that generally makes the relational ketchup bottle the way it is. These attitudes really are responsible for all kinds of disgusting relational messes. But the Bible shows us a different way. In Philippians 2.5, we're told that your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, what was Christ's attitude? Even though Jesus was God and he was, he was in a position of great power and glory, he didn't act all high and mighty, but he took the attitude of humble service. He really had a willingness to do some pretty low status tasks in order to help others. He also had this attitude of obedience, willingness to do what God the Father wanted, not things based on his own preferences. Jesus followed through with this attitude to the extent that he died a pretty horrible death on the cross. And actually, look at the reason that Jesus gave for coming to earth in the first place. In Mark 10, 45, he says, For even the Son of Man, referring to himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus was here to do the will of God for the well-being of other people. Because of his attitude, we can have our sins forgiven and we can have a new life begin. So in light of all that, we who follow Jesus, we can change our defaults. We need to shift our attitude from self-centered and deserving to helpful and serving. And it's amazing the impact that this shift can have on our relationships. What this means, if, if we do that shift, we're not at the mercy of other people or circumstances that are sour. We may be stuck with people. <laughs> there may be some people you can't get rid of, but we don't have to be stuck in the yuck. Difficult people and circumstances can shake us up, but, but deep down our attitude, our approach to life, our angle of approach is something that we choose. Ultimately, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to fulfill this command of adopting Jesus's attitude. That's why that initial heart decision is so important. Do I want to obey God from the heart? So this blend of heart and attitude is what forms the basis of our core values as a church. Actually, we, we call them the seven heart attitudes. And what we've been talking about today is a large, broad category for understanding life. You can view this message really as an introduction that will prepare us for some really helpful content that's coming in the next few weeks. And we're going to be looking at really practical ways of improving community life in a way that honors God. These seven values that we have as a church, they drill down into really specific situations that just keep coming up in relationships. And I think you're going to find that the coming messages will expose some of the recurring grinding points that frustrate you. The heart attitudes are 
seven everyday ways of adopting that helpful serving attitude of Jesus Christ. And how, how do you do that in real life? Just everyday normal life. Here's a quick preview. Here's the seven hard attitudes. The first one is to put the goals and interests of others above our own. Next is to live an honest, open life before others. Third is to give and receive scriptural correction. It's a painful one. And then number four is clear up relationships. Because as you know, relationships can get pretty unclear. These first four are about our personal relationships. And then these, the, next, the last three are about how I interact within a group or an organization. Number five is participate in the ministry. Number six is support the work financially. And number seven is follow spiritual leadership within scriptural limits. These values are derived from God's New Testament guidelines for relationships that really help us to avoid the grind in the first place. Or how to handle it if a grind shows up. A lot of this content comes from the book, The Heart Attitudes, Seven Keys to Healthy Biblical Community, uh, written by Harold Bullock. But even more than that, uh, a lot of this content is gonna flow from my own 14-year experience of living in healthy communities of people who have been striving to put these principles into practice. And the result has been life-changing for me. Another preview of what's coming. Once we finish this message series and we go through all these values, we're gonna launch our first formal membership class as a church. And you can decide if you'd like to team with us, if you'd like to be one of us. And everyone who wants to join the family will take a look at these seven values with the understanding that uh, often as a part of the church, I'm gonna to need to do each one of these. And I'm making the commitment that I'm willing to work together with the church toward them. And really the big goal here with these values and, and with the membership that's coming is the goal is for us to develop a congregation of where members actually treat each other the way the Bible says. Not perfectly, and it will be with some struggle, but that we treat each other in ways that are very different from the surrounding societies in our world. And if you're new to Valley Lights, uh, maybe you don't know if you want to be a part of us. That's no problem. This message series will give you a really good idea of who we are and what we're trying to create. As a church, we got started in 2020 with about a dozen people, and we're still on the newer side. In fact, here's a photo of our first grand opening that we had. Uh, we launched our church outside in the park because it was during you know, the intensity of COVID. But those who joined us in the early months have said how much they love being a part of a church at the ground level, and they're a part of building something new together. And I am really excited about the culture that's forming. There's some really good things happening here. In fact, you can be a part of helping us build that really good community. It's no mistake that you discovered our church and that you wandered on in to listen and to watch. It may be that God has been intending for our paths to cross at just this time in your life. Today, you might want to take a next step in response to what you've heard. One next step might be is, you might say, you know, I, I need to decide now that I'm going to follow God's plan for, for relationships, not keep doing it my own way. 
Or the next step might be, you know what, with God's help, I need to begin adopting Jesus's helpful and serving attitude. That, that needs to be my approach to the people in my life. Or number three, maybe, maybe the next step for right now is just, I'm gonna come back next week and I'm gonna learn more about how to do this. Imagine for a second, what would it be like to be part of a group where the people were, were not saying, hey, what, what's in it for me? But people said, what, what can I do for others? Where people are not saying, hey, how can I make sure that I get what I deserve? <laughs> but they say, no, how can I be helpful to other people here? Where people would be for each other, not, not damaging, but, but helping one another. Teaming together to make good things happen as a group. Man, if that was our attitude, how might our community be different? How might your personal relationships be different? I've seen how God's approach to loving others from the heart creates incredible change. God's way might change people that you're stuck with to relationships you don't want to let go of. God's relational guidelines really do become the glue that creates a strong, cohesive culture and brings delight and refreshment for years to come. So I'd like to invite you to come back next week, and we're going to dive in to heart attitude number one. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for today, for our grand opening in this location, and for your many provisions for us as a church. Thank you for those that are listening and watching now, and that you've allowed our paths to cross. Thank you for giving us the guidelines that we need to do relationships in a helpful way that leads to blessing and to good. Help us to commit ourselves, our resolve will be firm to follow and to trust you, and that we'd experience the good that you've intended and designed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time.